You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. So years ago, I was in a parking lot, and I got out of my car, and I heard a commotion. I look over, and these two guys are just going at it. This one guy had a really bad mouth, and he was just cursing the other guy out. The other guy was a little bit more reserved, but he was just very upset. You could tell. I remember he had a knee brace on, so in my head, he just became knee brace guy. And so these two guys are going back and forth at each other, and I'm kind of like, something's going to happen here. And so I start to kind of like slowly walk my way over just to make sure someone muscular is in the area, you know, should I be needed. I'm not sure why that's probably the biggest laugh I'll get today. But um, so as I, I make my way over there, I hear these guys going back and forth, back and forth. And eventually one of the guys, knee brace guy, comes out with this line that shuts the whole thing down and de-escalated everything. He just, he just pulls this line out. He goes, you have no idea who I am. And I was like, bro, like I would walk away. I would walk away because you don't know who this guy is, right? He could be anybody. I mean, he could have been bluffing, but he could have been an international spy, you know, kung fu artist. Like who knows who this guy was? And I think about that idea of like who was this and what could he do? right? And that kind of leads us into some of our questions we're going to talk about here today as we think about Jesus. Question number one for today, who is Jesus? Like, who was he? Is is he just some nice guy? Was he a great teacher? Was he a prophet? Or was he more than that? Question number two, what is he able to do? Like our friend from the Staples parking lot, like, you have no idea who I am or what I could do. What is Jesus capable of doing? As we think about the things that we need him to do, that we want him to do, that we hope he'll do, what is Jesus able to do in our lives? Question number three for today, who does God say you are? Think about that one for a minute. Like You probably define yourself in some ways. You probably have had others tell you who you are. But what does God say about you? Who does he say that you are? That'll change some stuff, right? Question four, is there anything we need to leave behind to follow Jesus? Maybe you're in that place right now today and you're like, man, I would just, I, I just, I just have, I, I know there are issues between me and God. Like there are things between me and God. There's stuff between us. Last Sunday, many of you guys gathered with us at the new property. We had such a special time together as a family with all the kids in the room. And I had the kids come up in the front and we acted out the story where they lowered lower the man down to Jesus, where they went up on the roof and they tore the roof off. And a lot of you kids came and you tore the roof off and we lowered somebody down. It was awesome. But, but similar theme, right? Like last week, it was like, are there any roofs that need to be busted through to get to Jesus, to get nearer to him? And I, a similar thought today, are there any nets we're holding on to? Any, any things we're holding on to? And we'll see that the idea of holding on to those nets, what that means as we go through the story today. But are there any things we're holding on to? Or are we entangled in any nets, so to speak, today that we need to just drop to follow? Jesus. Or maybe you're like, I'm already following him, but maybe to, to follow him more passionately. What would that look like? Question number four today, is there anything we need? Oh, I already did four. That was, let's go to five. Uh, what was Jesus' most important habit? Like that's a, that's a tough one because Jesus had some pretty amazing habits and did some pretty amazing things. Saying what was Jesus' most important habit is kind of like saying what was Jordan's greatest play? What's Christopher Nolan's greatest movie? Like that's a high bar right there. But we're going to see today what his most important habit was. And it's important that you and I learn to be like him in this way. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to answer these questions kind of all throughout the passage. We're going to look at Mark chapter 1 as we kick off this book, this book study of Mark. And in the first chapter, these are the questions that pop out. And so we're going to kind of bounce around answering those questions. And man, the stuff we were talking about today is like a huge deal. You know, like if you're not a follower of Jesus, think about this. Think about leaving here today knowing who Jesus is 
knowing what he's capable of, and knowing what he says about you. That'll change just about everything, won't it? And so we're going to look at that here this morning. And uh, the book of Mark is written by Mark. No surprise there. Mark was friends with Peter, who was one of Jesus' best friends. And so when Mark is writing, he's writing from Peter's eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did, the things that he, he saw, that Jesus crucified, Jesus in a grave, Jesus raised back from the dead, Jesus healing, and all the other things that we're going to see here in the book of Mark. The overall theme of the book of Mark is, called, is Jesus the servant. That's why we called this series Jesus the servant, because that's the overall theme. If you just zoom out and look at the whole book, that's what you find. Now, we've done lots of book studies in the last year. We went through Acts, we went through Colossians, and we also went through Daniel. And that's new to us as a church, honestly. Um, It's just different than we've done it for all the years that we've been doing this. And we would do different series in the past, and we'll still do some series here and there. But but this past year, we did a lot of book studies. And so I just kind of went to our staff, and I said, hey, how do you think this is going? You know, this is new to us, going verse by verse and, and going through a whole book. And, and they had some feedback for me. They said, we think it's going well, but there's two things you should change. First off, you have too much content in every message. And secondly, because you have so much content, you talk too fast. Now, uh, I know that some of you guys have kind of teased me about that because I do talk kind of fast. And um, I will say this, I, I, I will start to speak a little slower here in the sermons. And I will also start to have a little bit less content. And the way I'm going to do that is by summarizing a little bit more. And the reason that each message has had a lot of content and I talk real fast is because I want to make sure we cover everything, but I also don't want you to feel like you're in the same book series for four and a half years. Okay, I went to a church, and it was a great church, and, and, and they, we did the book of Revelation for four and a half years. And by the end of it, you were like, I don't want to think about Revelation anymore, okay? So I don't want to be that, all right? So uh, I, I will say, I have a friend that comes to the church here, and he teases me a lot about how fast I talk during the sermons. And he said, then I visited a church down south. And I was like, I really miss Doug, because <laughs> they talk so slow. So be careful what you wish for. All right, let's jump in. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 says this. The beginning of the good news, this is how the book of Mark starts, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, he says, I'll send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so this was an Old Testament prophecy about John the Baptist. And it says this, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, John the Baptist shouldn't be unfamiliar to you because just a few weeks ago in our Christmas series, we talked about John the Baptist and we saw what we like to call today his origin story. You know how in the movies, there's all these origin stories that have come out, right? I mean, of course, the most famous one probably is Anakin turning into Darth Vader. And we went back and saw the origin story. There was recently one about uh, the Hunger Games. There was President Snow and the origin story on him. Right now, I think I heard, anyway, there's like a Willy Wonka one, right? There's like the origin story on Willy Wonka. And so there's all these origin stories. And we heard that John the Baptist, his origin story was Zachariah and Uh, why am I blanking on his wife right now? Elizabeth came together and they had this miraculous child, John the Baptist, in their own age, in their old age, and that John would come to prepare the way for Jesus. And it says in the next few verses, I'll just tell you what's happening. People go out to John and they repent of their sins and they get baptized. And then we pick up in verse seven, and this was his message. After After me comes the one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you 
with the Holy Spirit. So John was clearly pointing people ahead to Jesus. He's going, hey, I'm here talking about God, but man, watch out for who's coming because I'm not even worthy to untie the straps on his sandals. He's kind of making him, Jesus, seem like more than a man. Who is this Jesus? Verse 9, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And so here is Jesus getting baptized. Now, Jesus gets baptized to really be an example to you and I. And if Jesus got baptized, then you and I should get baptized. And maybe you're like, well, I haven't been baptized yet, or I was baptized as an infant, and I didn't even know what I was doing. And so what do I do now? Well, there will be some opportunities coming up where you'll have the opportunity to get baptized. We do a beautiful celebration of many people getting baptized together here at church. So keep your ears out for announcements on that, or reach out to us if you're interested. But I just love here that Jesus is in this whole baptism situation here, and it says in the next part, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, picture this with me, all right? He saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So this is huge. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is he just a great teacher, a prophet? Is he a miracle worker? I think here we have an incredible clarifying moment when the Father says, this is my Son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased in. Who is Jesus? He's very God. He is God in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. And he came that you and I would have a relationship with him. And I love here that you see the Trinity, right? You see the Father with this pronunciation of who Jesus was. You see Jesus getting baptized, and you see the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. Now, I'm not going to get into the Trinity today because that's a whole other thing and I'd have to talk really fast like I was in the, in the past series and then the staff will get mad at me, all right, everybody? So we're not going to, if you have a, a conversation you want to have about the Trinity, let's do that. We've had times where we've talked about that in the past, but what I'm about to do is going to drive some of you crazy. We looked at question one, who is Jesus? Now we're going to skip to question three. Why am I doing that? Just to bother you. No, I'm doing that because it jumps out of the scripture like this. This is where the questions come up, okay? So question three, who does God say you are? Like, think for a second, all right? Here is God the Father telling Jesus, you're my son, I love you, I'm well pleased in you. So the question for you and I is, how many things has Jesus done so far? Like, what has Jesus accomplished so far when that pronunciation comes from heaven? How many disciples does Jesus have at this point? Zero. How many people has Jesus healed at this point? Zero. How many people has he set free from demonic oppression? Zero. Before he does anything, his father affirms who he is. Before he performs, before he heals a person, saves a person, rescues a person, he is told who he is, which means that all throughout the pages of Scripture, you and I are told who we are, not based on our performance, right? Before we had ever done anything right, and certainly after we had done tons of things wrong, We are told who we are. First off, I'll tell you that if you are hearing my voice right now, you're loved by God, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called child, saved, forgiven, righteous, holy. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be today. But How powerful is it that aside from performance, apart from performance, we find our identity in God? Man, that'll change just everything, won't it? Because this week, I guarantee you that you did some things or reacted to some things based on who you thought you were. And it's so easy to forget our identity. It's so easy to believe that our performance is tied to our identity. 
But here is God proclaiming over Jesus, and here all throughout the scriptures, God proclaiming over you and me that we are loved. And as followers of Jesus, we are his children. This is so huge because we so easily forget our identity. Many of you guys know my story. A few years ago, I ended up in the hospital. I was in the hospital for 63 days and almost died several times. Different things happened. And the day I was being released from uh, the hospital, I posted something on Instagram, and, and there were people following the story and praying for us. And so I was just thanking people for praying for me and, and look at what God's done, and here I am going home. And so I put this picture up of Chris Daughtry, and it said, had the word home there, and I pretended like I wrote it because some people have said over the years, oh, you kind of look like that guy. And so I just wrote like, oh, man, when I wrote this and we recorded this video years ago, I never know how much it would mean to me today, you know, and people are laughing, and all you guys who knew me got it. But there were people who commented below, whoa oh, you have a crazy, amazing voice. Like, we had no idea you were so talented. Like, this is amazing, right? And then uh, my, my friends, George and Jess, who come here to our church, actually know Chris Daughtry. So they like, reached out to him and said, you have to comment on this thread. And so he wrote this. He wrote, timeless classic, if only I could have written such a song. How great is that? Amazing, right? But isn't it funny that people mistook my identity? And I'll tell you what, we forget who we are all the time. And instead of hearing... Love the child we hear, worthless screw up, don't we? Man, please today know your identity. Know who God says you are. Know his value and what he's done to make you full of his presence and his purpose. And man, if his Holy Spirit's in you, how can you be worthless? And if he died on the cross for you, how can you be worthless? He loves you so much and he keeps on pursuing you and I. No matter what we've done, no matter what we go through, no matter how many times we walk away, He's so, so good to us. And here's an interesting thought. Jesus was baptized. And if you've ever been here on a Sunday where we do baptisms, we get you in a little tank we set up right here or up at the property, up the street. And I always say something similar, something like this. This is a picture, right? Just like Jesus was placed down into the grave, we get placed down into the water. And just like Jesus was raised up from the grave, we get raised up from the water to new life, right? And it's this image, it's an illustration, but think about this. Jesus hasn't been placed down in the grave yet. He's been baptized, but he hasn't been placed down into the grave yet, and he hasn't yet raised back up from the grave in salvation. So even here in this introductory moment of Jesus, we get a picture of the grave and the resurrection. How powerful is that? So let's keep going here. Uh, Mark 1.12, I'm going to just summarize for you. Mark summarizes that Jesus goes out to be tempted by Satan. And some of the other gospel writers record this. Mark doesn't. And so we just kind of get that little summary. Mark 1.14 says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So John's in prison, but Jesus' ministry is thriving strong. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will, make, uh, I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So Jesus is building a group of disciples here. A disciple just means followers. So he's building a group of followers that he's going to spend time with, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few weeks, like how beautiful that community was that he had with them. But I love that they left their nets behind. And, and I, I would think that most of us here today are saying, Doug, that's no big deal. If I was holding a net, and Jesus told me to drop the net, I would drop it and follow him too. 
But what we don't understand is maybe that most of these men were fishermen. So to drop their nets wasn't like you and I just dropping our nets because we're casually fishing out on the beach one day. Them dropping their nets was dropping their livelihood and really their identity to that point. This is who we are. This is what we've done our whole lives since we were little boys. This is who we are and this is what we've done. My question for you and I today is, is there anything we need to drop to follow Jesus or, or, or to follow him more passionately? Are there any nets we need to, to leave behind Maybe there's just a barrier between you and God. Maybe it's just even a wrong understanding of your identity. Maybe you've just been so wrapped up in who you think you are, who the world says you are, who somebody once told you you were. Man, what does it look like to say, I'm going to drop that identity and take the one God gives me as loved and, and, and child and forgiven and righteous and holy? Man, what a difference that can make. Or maybe it's just like a struggle where, again, I think about a net, a net a, a, entangles, doesn't it? Are there any entanglements on you and me that we need to drop? that we would that much more pursue Jesus. I love this story of uh, Tim Keller told about his mentor, Dr. Leach. Uh, he had an experience where he was a professor at a college. A couple of young ladies had gone to school and were planning on graduating with a master's degree and everything. And while they were there, God just began to put on their heart that they should be missionaries. And so their parents who weren't followers of Jesus start freaking out. We paid for all this money. You go to college. We want you to finish and master's degree and all this. And as they're there and interacting with this, the parents set up a meeting with Dr. Leach, and they say, we want our kids to be secure. We want them to get this education done. And all the kids in the room, I'm, don't argue with the parents about education. That's not the point of the story, all right? But, but there's this big you know, thing that happens between the parents and them. And Dr. Leach, as the parents say, we just want our kids to be secure. He says this. Read it with me. Please just let me remind you of something. We're all on a little ball of rock called earth, and we're spinning along through space at zillions of miles per hour, even if we don't run into anything. Eventually, we're all going to die, which means that under every single one of us, there's a trap door that's going to open one day, and we're all going to fall off this ball of rock, and underneath will either be the everlasting arms of God or absolutely nothing. So maybe we can get a master's degree to get some security. But the biggest savings account in the world can't stop traffic accidents. It cannot stop broken hearts. It can't give you anything, any of the things that only God can give you. He's the only significance you can have. He's the only love that you can get and can't lose. Is there like a net we need to drop, you know? And, and I think in this story, these girls dropped the net of people pleasing and they dropped the net of comfort and went and did the things God wanted them to do. Now, we need people's master's degree. Everybody hear me on that one? All right. So maybe you're trying to be a missionary and you should get your master's degree. The whole point is not be the missionary, be, get the master's degree. It's what is God saying to me? What's he calling me to do and calling me to be? What nets do I need to drop in order to better follow him? Don't hang on to what you'll lose and miss out on what you can't. Mark 1.21. They went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed. Everybody say amazed? At his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So the people recognized something in Jesus, everybody. They recognized there's an authority in his teaching because Jesus wasn't teaching law. He was teaching life, right? So question number two, for those of you taking notes and who are really mad at me because I went out of order, what is Jesus able to do? Man, he's able to teach with authority. He was different than what they were used to because they weren't just empty religious words. They were life. Words that gave life and words that were alive. It's almost like we should make a church name that comes out of that, like Word Alive or, or Living Word. I don't know. That probably wouldn't work. I don't know. But, but some of you guys walked into a church one day 
and all you knew was law, and they were teaching the real Bible, and it came alive to you, and you saw there was authority in it. Some of you never went to church before, and you walked into a church where they were teaching the Bible, and there was authority there, and it blew you away because it met you right where you were, and that's what's happening with these people. Verse 23, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So let me jump back quickly to question one. Who is Jesus? Even the demons know he's God. Let's keep going. Verse 25. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. The people recognize something about Jesus. This Jesus, he doesn't just have authority. He has the power to back up the authority. What's the difference between authority and power? I'll tell you a story. When I was about 10th grade in school, maybe 9th or 10th grade, I'm at school during a recess. I'm sitting at this picnic table outside. It's a beautiful spring day. No one's around me. I had my, my earphones and my disc man on, and I'm just rocking out there at this picnic table. And all of a sudden, as I'm sitting there, the president of the student body came out. She was a senior. And she saw me sitting at the picnic table, and the picnic table was reserved for seniors. And here I was sitting at it, but nobody else was out there. It was just me. But she didn't like that I was sitting there. And so she starts telling me, like, get up. And I was a punk kid. I'm like, no. You know, so I, I just kind of sat there and remained there. And then eventually she goes, I'm going to give you a detention. I was like, I don't think you can do that. But she went and to the office and tried to give Doug Jansen a detention as a student. And she came back detentionless. Everybody say detentionless. That's right, that's right, detentionless, right? Because she had some authority over me as the president of the student council, but she had no power to back that up. And here's Jesus, who doesn't just come and say stuff, he does stuff, because he has the authority and the power. What's Jesus able to do? Teach with authority, but he's able to move in power, right? And so as we read the pages of Scripture, we see Jesus can heal, and he can save, and he can deliver, and he can rescue, and he can provide, and he can lead. Let's keep going. Verse 28 says, News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law, Simon's the same guy as Peter, by the way, so this is Peter who Mark knew as an eyewitness and wrote all of his testimony down. Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Power. Healing, right? God is a, a God of amazing authority, but power on display. Look at this. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick. You picturing this? Like, they're just bringing everybody to Jesus, the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Everybody's there. And Jesus hailed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let demons speak because they knew who he was. The whole region's coming to Jesus because Jesus isn't just a man he is God, and he's walking in authority and power. And verse 35 says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Question five, what was Jesus' most important habit? It was his prayer life. It's his most important habit. You know what that means? It should be our most important habit too, right? Like, I, I love that Jesus did many things as an example to us in life, but I want to tell you something. Jesus was not praying just as an example to us. 
He was dependent on his father. He was dependent on that time with him. You know, Jesus said this about himself. He said, I only do what I see the father doing. Well, how do you know what the father's doing? You got to pray. You got to be seeking him. You got to be looking to him. And so here was Jesus getting that time alone with his father, seeking him in prayer. And, and it's interesting to me that it says that he went and found a solitary place, like a place he could really connect with God. So let me ask you a question today. Is there a certain place you just connect with God like no other? And I would say get there when you can. I know we can't always, you know. You're, you're like, yeah, a mountaintop. Okay, get there every day. Enjoy that, right? But like get there when you can, right? I mean, if it's by water, there's something about water. There's something about the openness of water. Like, literally, that does something for our souls. Get there when you can, right? Uh, find a little stream. Find a, you know, pour a little, I don't know, get a little tub in your backyard. So I don't know. Just get where you're, uh, my Siri's talking to me in the name of Jesus. No, no, okay. But um, <laughs> go ahead and get where you come alive, right? Like, take that night walk. Like, get out under the stars. Get up crazy early, you crazy morning people. I don't even know who you are, how you do it. But get up crazy early and get to the, just get outside for the sunrise, whatever it is. But along with that, you guys know I'm going to tell you this part of it too, right? Because I always do is we have to keep the conversation with Jesus going throughout our day. Get to the solitary place, but don't leave, don't leave his presence, right? And that, that's what we so often do is we, we get to the solitary place and you know, it's almost like we get behind the drum shield and we're with God and then we come out and we live the rest of, the, of, our, of our day. But, but like we leave God by the drum shield. Like why would we do that? No, let's, let's bring him with us and let's walk with God throughout our day. Our prayer life is vital. Praying right? Aligning our hearts with him, asking him for forgiveness, worshiping him, thanking him, bringing him our needs, and looking at him is so incredibly important. I'm going to just summarize the last story here because of time, all right? So Jesus has an interaction with a leper, and he brings this leper to a place no one else could or had. A leper in that day would have been ostracized from their community. A leper in that day wouldn't have felt physical touch. A leper in that day was called ceremonially unclean. And if you touched that leper, you became ceremonially unclean. But here is Jesus interacting with this leper. And he heals him. And he restores his life because Jesus works in authority and power. And here you are going, okay, Doug, the name of the series is Jesus the Servant. Like, Doug, you've been talking about Jesus with power and authority. You know, he's healing people. He's casting demons out of people. Maybe some of you guys are going, maybe a better name for this series would have been like Jesus the Great and Powerful. And that's a great name for like a movie. But here we have a true theme all throughout the book of Mark of Jesus the servant. Just ask the leper who felt the touch of Jesus. Just ask that amazing, powerful, authority-filled Jesus who reached on and, and grabbed this man to serve, look, to serve this man and to love him well. Just ask Peter's mother-in-law who stood up and looked Jesus in the face. And yeah, there's power and authority there, but what an amazing servant of God came to rescue and heal her. Ask the demon-possessed people. Man, I, I can't imagine them coming out of that fog and that haze that they'd been in under the control of the devil, and now they're free. Ask them as they look into the compassionate, loving eyes of this servant, Jesus. Ask the Father about his son who came to serve you and me and rescue us. Man, Jesus, this wonderful servant. So what have we seen today? Who is Jesus? He's the very son of God. What is he able to do? Man, he can teach with authority, but he can move in power. He is a healer. 
He's the deliverer. He is one who leads us. He's one that carries us when we don't get what we want and sustains us. And he's a great, incredible Savior. Who does God say you are? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, he says you're loved. If you are a follower of Jesus, he says you are his child, you are righteous, you are holy, you are worth so much that he got on that cross, he rose from the dead. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you can know him today. Is there anything we need to leave behind to follow Jesus? What is that net you hang on to? What is that net you're entangled in? I encourage you to drop that. I encourage you to drop it down because the disciples saw something in Jesus that was so worth laying down their identity and all that they had done to that point. And so what is it that's entangling you? What has you? Lastly, what was Jesus' most important habit? It was his prayer life. And that's got to become our most important habit too. And we got to stay connected to him. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, was going to be interviewed by like a major TV station. And so they, him and his kind of entourage got to the place and, and one of the producers came over to Billy Graham's assistant and said, hey, just want to let you know we have this room reserved and we'd love for Billy to be able to go in there and he can just pray and do his thing. And the assistant said back, oh, we don't need the room. Like, what do you mean? This is Billy Graham. Like, he's not going to pray before the interview. Who's, who's going to pray, right? And so the assistant just looked back and said, oh, no, Billy woke up praying. He prayed through breakfast. He prayed on the drive over here. And he'll pray his way through the interview. Man, what a beautiful model for you and me. That's exactly what we're to do. Don't hang up the phone, as I like to say, right? God wants to speak to you. And we love to get into our solitary place behind the drum shield and spend some time with God. And then we just hang up and we walk away and we do life. No, no, no. Bring it with you. Let him keep speaking to you. Let him keep the communication line open with you. It's so incredibly important. So what will happen if we take seriously what we heard today? We'll know that Jesus is God and that he's able to do the impossible in our lives. We'll see that our identity is secure as loved child of God, and we'll leave behind the things that keep us from following him. And lastly, we'll prioritize our prior life, our lifeline to God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you are so incredibly loved. I hope today you'll put your trust in him. I hope you'll look to him. I hope that you'll say, Jesus, I need you to be my everything. I need you to be my God. I need you to rescue me and put your Holy Spirit in my life and do the impossible. God, be my Savior. I'd love to give you that opportunity now. But for the rest of us, I just want to take a moment as the, as the band kind of comes back out and we begin to pray a little bit. I just, as I always say, don't tune out on me because I want us to take a few steps in prayer together as we kind of navigate the things that we heard today in the book of Mark. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for this time together in your word, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're saying to us, Lord. And we just pray, God, that our hearts would be so soft toward you right now, God. And so first off, thank you, Jesus, that you are God. Thank you that you are not just a great teacher. You're not just a wise person, but you are the Savior of the world. And we just lift you up, Jesus. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you have come not just to teach with authority, but to also move in power. And so everybody in the room here and everybody watching online, just, just what is it that you need to bring to the Lord and ask him to move in power? What situation do you have going on in your life that you need to bring to him? Just bring that to him now. God, you're a great healer, and we lift to you those of us who need healing for us or for loved ones. God, you're a great provider, and so would you come through? Lord, you are able to bring peace. You're able to deliver people from 
oppression and depression and anxiety and addiction. Oh God, meet us today. We're desperate for you, God. I can tell people that you can do these things, but you're the one who does these things and we need you, God. We need so much more than words today, God. So meet us in this place and bring freedom, Lord. God, I thank you for who you say we are. If you're a follower of Jesus today, and you just sit in the, and, and let it just kind of wash over you the fact that you are called the child of God, that you are called loved by God, that you're called forgiven and righteous and holy. If you're not a follower of Jesus, right now I encourage you to put your trust in him. Right now, I encourage you to pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for this gift of salvation that you give freely. Thank you. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it, but yet you've given it. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Show me how real you are. Thank you for what you've done for me. Are there any nets any of us need to drop today to follow Jesus? To follow him more passionately? Would you just bring that to him? And lastly, God, would you ignite our prayer life? God, would we depend on it like Jesus depended on it? Would we value it like Jesus valued it, God? that we get to spend that time with you. And will we carry you through our day like Billy Graham, Lord, that we're gonna pray our way on the commute, we're gonna pray our way through breakfast, we're gonna pray our way through the interview or whatever it might be, that God, we would not hang up the phone, so to speak, but we'd remain connected to you, Lord. Thank you, God, we love you, we need you, in your name, amen.